1: with Rev. Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join the discussion, email us at yogahour at unity.fm. Now, here's your host, Rev. Ellen Grace O'Brien.
0: Welcome to the Yoga Hour, Our time to open our hearts and our minds to the infinite. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien, and... Today, we're going to be looking at some insights and practices from the spiritual tradition of yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization. Yoga is a familiar Sanskrit word to many today, but not everyone is tuned in to its deepest purpose and meaning and teachings. And that is, a, yoga is about realizing the truth of our being, oneness, union, our unity, bringing our attention and our awareness To consciously abide in our spiritual nature, so to realize that means, of course, to know it and to know it directly. But then also to be able to live it, and that's uh, a lot of where our conversation is going to go today. Is like how do we um, have this deeper understanding of life and live it fully? Our topic is the yoga of fulfilled living, spirituality, purpose, delight, and prosperity. Life in this world can be and is experienced as simply auspicious for those who are willing to take yoga's promise to heart, to open to uh, their own divine potential, chart their course, and engage fully in the practice. So here today uh, with us is Rod Stryker. He's the author of a wonderful book, uh, The Four Desires: Creating a Life of Purpose, Happiness, Prosperity, and Freedom. Um, in addition to authoring The Four Desires, Rod is the founder of Para Yoga and has taught for more than thirty years throughout the world. He studied for nearly two decades with the internationally re- renowned yoga master Kavi Yogi Raj Mani Finger and his son Yogi Raj Allen Finger. Today, Rod uh, became his. Eventually, Rod became his teacher's only American disciple to be given the title Yogi Raj, or Master of Yoga. He met his current teacher, Pandit Rajmani. Gunayat, spiritual head of the Himalayan Institute in 1999. So you can learn more about Rod and his work both um, at Rod Stryker, S-T-R-Y-K-E-R dot com or Parayoga, P-A-R-A, yoga dot com. Welcome back, Rod. I'm so glad that you're here again on the Yoga Hour.
2: I'm, I'm grateful to be with you, Ellen. I'm wonderful to hear your voice and looking forward to our conversation.
0: Thanks. And so before we launch into it, let's just take a moment, uh, to practice a little yoga and center our attention in a short meditation. In this moment, Let us consciously intend to open our hearts and our minds to divine omnipresence. Starting with the premise that there is one reality that is beyond and within and through the worlds. No separation between heaven and earth. One continuum. So right where we are, right in this moment is divine love, divine support divine power, divine energy so simply use your breath and your intent to connect you with that as you breathe in feel that you are diving into the ocean of divine presence And as you breathe out, let go of any tension, any worries or concerns that all stem from the idea that we are separate from that reality. So breathe in, breathe out, breathe in peace, wholeness joy breathe out tension how wonderful that just in one moment of paying attention we can come back to being centered in the self in the divine self Witnessing thoughts and feelings as they arise and pass away. Tuning into peace that is inherent to our being. So as we conclude this brief meditation, let's gather up that peace and just with the breath out now, feel that we share it with all beings, with the world. And know that this peace goes before us now into every encounter of our day. We're going to begin this morning... Uh, taking a look at the journey of fulfillment, uh, I mentioned in the topic this morning um, how one who is takes the promise of yoga to heart might begin to experience life as something auspicious and joyful and you know, so we look at yoga as both um, an end of being awake, aware, enlightened, free, but also as the means. And, of course, it's so important that we understand that those two are not separate. Um, that's actually one of the keys to finding the fulfillment, is understanding means and end are not separate. So, Rod, you describe um, yoga as a heightened way of Being, Um, Tell us about that, how you came to that phrase and and what it means to you.
2: Well, Ellen, you've done an amazing job, actually, in your introduction um, to to speak to it, frankly, and and that is uh, this heightened way of being, if you will, is, is referring to the idea that you and I, we all live in what appears to be a world of good and bad and right and wrong and success and failure and youth and old age and life and death constant change, as you know, and uh, it's undeniable that that, at one level, experience is true. We could even say it appears to be real, and it really generates all our emotions and feelings, and both good and bad.
3: At the same time, as
2: you also spoke to, and you led us through beautifully in the meditation, is this idea that there is something beyond that, and really to abide in that, and when I say something beyond it, meaning that there is something unchanging, and there is something sacred, and there is something eternal. Um, And so to abide in that heightened way of being has to do with perception, has to do with being able, while in the midst of this reality, we'll call life and life and death and good and bad and right and wrong, that there is this ongoing perception that there is more, or there is some reality beyond what the senses can perceive. And it's Living with both, that creates this state of of grace, of knowingness, of heightened awareness, um, that life never completely overshadows that awareness of what lies beyond it. And uh, one thing I say that yoga is, is really the ability to see the invisible, Mm -hmm. to let it touch our heart and mind. And there's a a term for that, there's many terms in the yoga tradition, but one that's coming to mind right now is the term Gyanavritti. Jnana meaning self-knowledge, and really I, we could put knowledge with a capital K because it really refers to not, not knowledge of things, but like, like knowledge that's above everything. And vritti means a wave, a movement, and it's this movement of mind, movement of perception to see the greater and experience the greater knowingness that we are both finite and infinite beings.
0: Mm, and you, thank you for that. And you, and you of course, have, have done just this beautiful work. I really want to encourage listeners to get your book, um, to read it, and of course, as you <laughs> encourage to do the exercises that are in it, um, because without that, it, the book, you know, isn't as powerful. You know, it's designed to support um uh, how to actually bring our energy, uh, our greatest desires um, into manifestation. So, the four desires—creating a life of purpose, happiness, prosperity, and freedom—is is a profound book. And you know, I I have read it. Now, this is my third pass through it, and um, it's it's new when I come to it each time because it's so it's so rich. So, uh, I, what I want to say about it is that in this work um, with the four desires, you have taken us to to help us understand this soul's yearning that we all have, that there's there's more, there's gotta be more, that comes from our infinite potential, you know, that we all have that soul's yearning. Then you've you've taken it to a very practical level with of course out Without abandoning the spiritual to look at how we bring that more fully into expression in our lives, looking at the four desires um, that, that the Vedas have given us about a fulfilled life, so tell us a little bit about these four desires and and you know how they relate to this big goal of yoga of, of living an awakened life. Mm.
2: Well, you you've touched upon them, and I, I just quickly, what I'll I'll just mention is, you know, there is this very extraordinary and uh, really important uh, tone that we find in the ancient tradition, and particularly in the in the in the Vedas, and for instance, the text of the Bhagavad Gita or Mahabharata, you find such a life affirming uh, message. In the end, it's not only about, uh, let's say, liberating beyond the world, but truly finding freedom and fulfillment in it. I'm, I'm so struck by the closing of the Vedas, which is the oldest living scripture, spiritual scripture on the planet. And it speaks about, at the end, the final prayer, the final mantra is, may we walk together, may we talk together, and share the bounty of life together. This is the closing of the Rig Veda. And uh, so we can, make all, we can make the case that yoga is about transcendence, but we're missing half of the teaching. And that, that, and, you, and, you, and you really put it in the right context. It's about there is a, a kind of natural imperative, innate imperative, for the soul to fully express itself into the world, into life. And it's the fulfillment of dharma, which is the... We can say the seed of all other desires, it's the, and that's number one of the four, uh, to fulfill our purpose. And, and, and simple in, in nature we see this as this movement from seed to seedling to tree to bearing fruit. And it's that same kind of idea fulfilling our own potential. We can think of each of us as a seed. Who are we? What makes us this unique seed? And uh, the quest and the hunger to ultimately... Bear fruit, that our life, in fact, um, is both an expression of the innate intelligence, but also it's something whereby when we're doing it, we're serving the greater whole of which we are a part. That's, mm-hmm. the, first, that's the first dharma. That's and the it first seems,
0: Yeah, really important um, to understand that this dharma, and, and as you've um, dealt very extensively in the book, this is the greater, the overarching dharma that, that is the way of righteousness, um, the harmony of the universe, the way things work, and then our svadharma, you know, finding our what it is that we're here to do and um, and of course the teachings are so, uh, emphasize that so strongly, you know, Gita again and again is about doing your duty, you know, doing that even if you fail at it is better than doing you know trying to do the work of someone else so finding what we're here to do but in with in this this term dharma it is just it's our individual expression in harmony with the greater pattern and so those two um, come together in, in in a very significant way
2: and and you've touched upon an essential teaching, a core teaching you see not only in the Gita, for example, but also throughout the Upanishads. I'm thinking of the Katha Upanishad, for, for example, right now, which is one of the ten most sacred and important of these really sublime texts of the yoga tradition. And it literally says what you just addressed, which is that when we serve our individual highest interest, we are, in fact, glorifying the greater part, uh, the greater whole of which we're a part. And so, it, it, and, 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 I, and as you're speaking about that, you know, I, we live in a society that rewards us, at least financially, monetarily, materially, it's very arbitrary who gets what, and, and that teachers are so, teachers and nurses are almost, all but ignored in our society, and then sports heroes, uh, it's like they're in another galaxy in terms of material <laughs> value, um, but I want to say, speaking to that issue that, that we both are now addressing, which is that, you know, being a full-time mom is a act of dharma as much as being an architect is, as much as being a yoga teacher, and as much as any career. It, it really is about shining one's purpose fully through the prism of the unique endeavors that we're doing, and they can be multifaceted as well. We, it's not that we have to be full-time mom. We can be also doing other things. The main thing I want to say is that it's when we come into that alignment that there is true fulfillment, when we come into alignment for, with fulfilling that purpose, which is not just figuring out what's the right profession, but mm-hmm. really figuring out what is your, what is the ray that you're meant to contribute to the mm-hmm. spectrum of
0: mm-hmm. this world. Mm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I think I'm 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 understanding you know as we talk, Rod, that you know of course this subject is so rich that we we could spend our whole time just on dharma alone. Yeah. But um, tell us now about briefly about the other three. Sure. Um, so we have this overarching goal. We have something we've come to contribute, but we we have to figure out how to do that. And the Correct. other parts are important to that.
2: Exactly. Well, they actually are vital, um, and they are supportive, and and they stand as well on their own. The second one would be the desire for the means to fulfill that desire. So, in in uh, typically, uh, what's in, uh, what we could list what speaks to this is financial means, uh, the material means, having some type of place where you can call a sanctuary, some type of place you can call home, having the health and the well-being necessary to fulfill your purpose. The, the, uh, uh, and, but we can also think about that, all the things that you and I use that are really relevant in the process of fulfilling our dharma. If you and I can make the case that this call is helping you and I fulfill our dharma, which I would argue it is, um, yes. this telephone uh, and the ability to broadcast this message is also part of our means to fulfill our dharma. The third desire would be kama, um, which is uh, delight or pleasure. And at first glance, you might think that this is a fairly superficial desire, but when we look more deeply, we understand that even the word kama actually refers to the innate longing, the, the pleasure that occurs when we fulfill or when we endeavor anything of meaning to us. The result of fulfilling it is, in fact, a kind of pleasure, and the tradition even says that the world came into the be, into being for the sake of divine pleasure. In other words, the divine had an impulse. Actually, the word Sanskrit term ka, the first two letters, actually refers to that idea. And the final one is moksha, liberation, the one really that speaks to freedom beyond this world that really allows us to touch upon singularity, absolute freedom, beyond the care of... Um, uh, the world that you and I, that most of us experience, is good and bad.
0: Thank you, Rod. Those that is really such a complete package. You know, as to begin to study it and to see, and of course, what's inherent in in looking at these four desires is that I I sometimes look at them as bookends. You know, with Dharma and Moksha as the bookends. You know, and than our life in the material world, in a sense, uh, in, sandwiched in between. You know, it gets yep. things in the right um, perspective. Because one of the things that we can trip over, of course, is desire. And we have to learn um, how to how to work with that. So when we come back from the break, let, let's lead off with that conversation about desire and how we learn um, to work with it. You're listening to the Yoga Hour with guest rod striker you can find out more about his work at parayoga.com. we'll be right back with you
1: you are listening to unity online radio the voice of an awakening world To support this ministry, go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Your contribution helps us broadcast messages of love and inspiration throughout the world.
4: To be It's a question we all ponder from time to time. Rev. Kelly Isola, host of Spiraling Consciousness and her co-authors, have crafted a guidebook that will take you on a profound journey. If you long for love, peace, and joy, or yearn for commitment, passion, calm, or clarity, this book teaches you that you already have all of these within you. Whatever you long to experience outside of you is an aspect of you wanting to be birthed. Who have you come here to be? 101 Possibilities for Contemplation is part daily reader, part spiritual practicum. Drenched in gorgeous imagery, each powerful page invites readers to dance, to leap, to sit still, to stand tall as they ponder the question, Who have I come here to be? Join the journey of self-discovery. Come explore the world within, an infinite field of possibilities, to discover Who Have You Come Here to Be? To order your copy of Who Have I Come Here to Be? 101 Possibilities for Contemplation, go to www.whohaveyoucomeheretobe.com. That's www.whohaveyoucomeheretobe.com. Does the idea of being a vegetarian or a vegan intrigue you? Is it something you've pondered? Listen each week as Victoria Moran, author of Main Street Vegan, shows you how to make the shift to a sustainable lifestyle for both you and the planet. Each week you'll learn about the latest on the vegan life. It's not just for celebrities and moguls, but for people just like you, who want to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food,
1: Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour.
0: Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien, and I'm joined today by Rod Stryker, author of The Four Desires: Creating a Life of Purpose, Happiness, Prosperity, and Freedom. And in this segment, we're gonna talk about um a program that Rod has put together called the Creation Equation about how to bring our healthy desires into manifestation but before we go there um, I want to talk about desire itself um, because we we do find in the uh, teachings of yoga lots of flashing red lights around this topic of desire and you know how going down the road of desire um, can you know lead you into uh, frustration and anger and overcome your intellect make You lose touch with your experience and lead you down the road of ruin. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, I think it can certainly be confusing to a student, you know, to come onto the path of yoga and hear all of this, you know, desire is at the root, you know, of the suffering that we experience. Now, that message is there. And yet there is another message about desire, which you're... Drawing from in this wonderful work about the four desires. So, okay, Rod, it's up to you <laughs>
2: <laughs> to clarify. So, you
0: tell know, us about this.
2: Well, I took great pains understanding that this book was probably going to be sought out mostly by people in the yoga community and cont- contemplative traditions like Buddhism, uh, meditative traditions in general. And th- in fact, you're correct to say that you can find a vast amount of teachings that speak to desire really being the path to our own damnation and, um, and suffering. And uh, like everything in life, it, it really is not black or white, and it, is not, it really is an issue of understanding the nature of desire. So let me just, before I even try and tackle it, just go to the wise ones. Buddha made a distinction, and he talked simply about wholesome desires and unwholesome desires. And uh, the Upanishads speak about what is called preya and shreya. Mm-hmm. And preya means virtuous desires. And, um, uh, excuse me, shreya is virtuous desires. And preya is those kinds of desires where the net effect, the best, the best we can hope from them, is temporary pleasure. Uh, The other ones, the the Shreya is actually helpful, the ones that serve the greater good, our greater good, which you and I spoke about earlier in the interview, um, by serving our highest, best interest. First, let's just try and clear up one great area of confusion, which is that there can be an end to desire. And we're going to say, what I will make the point of, is that only in the most evolved And I don't even know if they're human beings at that stage. They are beyond desire. In other words, it's actually, according to the tantric tradition, it's desire that makes our heart beat. It's desire that makes our kidneys dilate. It's desire that makes us want or take our next breath. So if we begin to really look at the basic, even the most basic functionings of our body, behind those impulses to stay alive is a fundamental desire. I think most of us would have to accept the fact that the desire to be alive is a good desire. Now, the clinging to even the desire to be alive creates suffering. And mm-hmm. that's where there's this very difficult, and we'd really say it's the razor's edge. You often hear this, this kind of description of the spiritual path as the razor's edge. It really is The whole concept of desire is the razor's edge. And that's why you really can't make, you can't navigate this terrain without, and I'm going to use another Sanskrit term, it's called Viveka, Viveka Shakti. Viveka means to uh, distinguish or to uh, discern or to discriminate. So what we're left with is this idea that, look, you and I can't take our next step. We can't even serve humanity. We can't be a Mother Teresa, or we can't be someone who changes the world for the better without a desire being behind it. It's impossible. There, those two things must be related. The desire to make things, or even the desire to know God, or the desire to find peace. That's inherently an inspirational movement, a spark. What really this navigation of desire has to do with is your your capacity to discern prayer from Shreya, what is pleasant mm-hmm. and what is actually serving the greater good.
0: Exactly. And, and then, as you mentioned, Rod, this is, there's this discernment between what is useful, what is not useful. This is how my guru always talks about it, which I find helpful because it they're not mm-hmm. charged. Those, those right. terms, you know, are not like good and bad. It's like, is it useful? Is it not useful? Um, and then there's the... Um, the element of clinging that gets us into trouble, right? So even if we have a desire that is useful, but we cling to it um, as, a, as a source of fulfillment or happiness, that's where we get into trouble.
2: If I could say one, more th- one other thing to it quickly, and I would say, you know, I think most of us, when we see um, a one-year-old, uh, if it's a girl, it's usually a little younger, um attempting to take their first steps or attempting to stand up even at a younger age, would any of us try and suppress the desire for that child to take those next steps in their own growth and development? It would be the most tragic thing for any one of us to say, oh my gosh, that desire to stand up, that's terrible. She's actually moving toward delusionment. No, we would say we honor the child for longing to go to their next stage of growth and development. And that's the deeper understanding of the role of desire. We can think of desires that are authentic to the soul as being a need. And we can think of the desires that are more based on the ego and the intellect. In fact, the ones that ultimately cause pain and suffering are related to wants uh, Mm. based on the ego. So one is Mm. really need. It's a soul imperative. And the other is uh, this is how I'd like the world to be. This is how what I want to feel more comfortable,
0: mm-hmm. and
2: those aren't the same things.
0: Yeah, and one one comes from ideally, you know, one comes from a source of fullness uh, within, of wholeness. So it's not looking to accomplish something um, in order to um fulfill ourselves. Um, and the other has that little edge in it that, you know, if I do this, if I accomplish that, then you know, I'll be happy, then I'll be fulfilled. So that that's problematical. That's you know, a key piece. Uh,
2: that's a key yeah. piece.
0: It yeah. Comes so from that's fundamental
2: misunderstanding. yeah.
0: Yeah. That's that a means and end of yoga have to, you know, you, that the fulfillment we're looking for, we, we really have to take with us along the way. It's, <laughs> yoga is so interesting in that way. And now I, I want to, you know, turn to this this program that you put together on the creation equation because it is, you know, one thing to understand this and to say, okay, great, you know, I, I know I'm here um, to express my highest potential, and um, and then to bring it forth. And uh, I, there's a um, individual goals that I have that are in harmony with that, but you know, I, I, I've seen many students on the spiritual path, many many yogis, you know, who are, are good meditators, um, and then when it gets into the Artha Kama area, <laughs> it's just yeah. problematical. You know, like how do we how do we take this? How do we live this spiritual life in a in a prosperous way? So tell us about the creation equation.
2: Uh, well, you've hit on some key pieces, and, and uh, um, so the creation equation really is, is this idea of it's a way of understanding how, in fact, the dynamics involved, or you can even say the formula for when it is that we do fulfill our intention. So let's let's just um, let's take as our, our premise that we have this power of discernment, and we now have really been able to isolate the soul's drive to to more fully evolve and grow. same way we do, I, I, I talked about the, the child taking its first steps. So it might be getting a better education. It might be um, starting a meditation practice or meditating more or um, changing careers. Or, and, you, and you touched on a great point, which is I often encourage, if I have a room full of yogis when I'm teaching the four desires, I often say, please consider kama as one of the things, in other words, pleasure, as one of the key things <laughs> in your life because you are likely, if you're a yogi and a meditator, more than likely you are you are, you are your tendency is to overlook it or dismiss it. Mm-hmm. In fact, that longing for pleasure, first of all, I'll also make the case, for the, for in this, um, at this stage, it's best if we can begin to step away from trying to evaluate one of the four desires as being better, than the other three Mm -hmm. moksha in this context is not better than the other three it may well be that your health is the most important thing you could focus on at a a stage in your life more important than meditation now it's 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 not to say that meditation shouldn't carry you through every day of your life i would make the case that's that's true but there's sometimes that if we don't change our diet it's going to negatively impact our meditation. It's going to negatively impact our diet, I mean our vitality and everything else. And I would make the same case for what might bring us pleasure. Now, the first step of the creation equation is this term that we use, shakti. Shakti has a lot of meaning, and it's a rich word, and with a lot of meaning, uh, means power, um, capacity. But in this context, I'm using it specifically to address the impulse that we have towards a specific desire. It's the inkling, the very, that spark of wanting it. And it's that first spark of saying, if in our heart, we've been, we haven't been med- meditating on a regular basis or we haven't been exercising as we know we should. That would be in the area of artha, for example. Um, or dharma, for example, a change in our career or a recalibration of how we're living and doing our... Uh, serving our greater good and, and the greater good of the world. Shakti is that impulse for it. And, you know, because of some of the training that yogis uh, um, make commitment to, people who regularly practice meditation, there's this almost passivity when it comes to, uh, 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 I would say passivity or hesitation, to, uh, to listen and to act on those inner callings or the inner voice, and because there may not be the, quite the clarity necessary to discern whether or not it's going to be helpful, we often dismiss this shakti, this impulse to a better diet, a better purpose, a more fulfilled uh, way of being, more exercise, simple things, most simple things. And, you know, what's really clear is that is our soul talking. We may, it may be drowned out by some of the judgment we have about it. But if we dismiss those impulses coming from the soul, we begin to actually um, diminish its power and capacity to positively lead us in our life. Mm -hmm. And I'd say one more other thing about the Shakti idea, the spark. The best time to respond to it, when the universe provides the greatest opening for it it to have a positive impact, is when the impulse first comes. In other words, the window doesn't stay as wide open as it is in the very beginning, for us to find a new path, a vital path, and a fulfilling path. Mm. And so that's really the idea of Shakti,
0: is mm, this and impulse. So, yeah, world. and it's it really is a it is yoga practice itself, isn't it? To uh, turn towards the the life energy, you know, towards. Shakti that that is yoga that that, the turning towards the self and following it you know following that that energy so when I hear you describe this you know I think that it's this divine potential within us that will give us it will arise right and it will arise and we'll perceive it and then we have a choice about you know what to do with that, what to do with that energy that arises as, as inspiration or a yearning or an inkling. And um, why do you think that particularly meditators have a tendency to ignore that? I,
2: I think part of it is, as you touched on it earlier, Ellen, I think, in fact, part of it's informed by kind of the, the, the studying that we do. And, and we've seen it enough times that uh, we've seen enough times that... Um, you know, desires there are, you know, if nothing else, ambiguous whether or not they're going to help us. They may even, in fact, harm us and lead us astray spiritually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah. let's, also, let's also say something else. You know, it's interesting because in my life, I've only met a few people who were wildly, I, I use the word wildly to say, in the most full way imaginable, deeply fulfilled, who weren't meditators. And this is kind of a I, – I I've, I've known in my life a couple of artists and really extraordinary individuals who, were not, who didn't rely on meditation for spiritual fulfillment. They lived their life, in a sense, committed to Shakti, committed mm-hmm. to responding to the impulses.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It's interesting. I wonder – you know, you ask a, a question, and all we can do together is theorize about it. But I'm wondering, you know, partially – I may well have turned to meditation at a very young age, meditation and yoga when I was 18, because I had already um, become somewhat disconnected from my willingness to respond to these impulses felt deep in my heart. That in itself turned me to meditation. Maybe there's a tendency in some of us to not fully honor that impulse, and it's actually that pain That we are ultimately looking to resolve through meditation. Does that make sense? So then we will find some salve, some healing in meditation, but it doesn't necessarily resolve the hesitation, reservation, or the obstructions that we have to literally hear our heart song and play the tune. And no in, in fact in book.
0: some ways it it heightens it which you know is a very positive thing you know i, I as you described that was i think for me you know my um experience of yoga, you know, returning to yoga as, you know, like getting out of the world seemed like a good idea to me at the time. <laughs> but, but I found that yoga meditation, um, you know, temporarily, yes, you know, helped me disengage from the, the world that I was in. But right. it then um, propelled me back into the world in such a powerful way because the creativity the energy the shakti becomes so strong you know once you take up a practice in earnest and so then let's look at the rest of your equation so you know sure. what do you do with it and let's just give us the second step because we're going to have to go to a break and we'll come yeah, back and sure. we'll we'll look at the whole thing all together
2: well the second step is now the means the, the process the energy that we that we invest fulfilling that impulse that desire we've isolated we've 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 uh, narrowed our focus into a particular desire now it's about using the means employing them to fulfill that impulse the impulse is just pure energy now we think okay how and what are the practical ways that this is going to happen and uh, the first thing I, i i i think it's helpful is for people just to take pause and to really consider what will help me get there if you're God forbid you're trying to give up smoking. That's one example I think I cite in the book. But you can think of so many different goals. What are the tools we get there? It, it, what are the things we need to do? Well, self-discipline might help. Willpower yes. might help. But, you know, people often overlook things like a sense of humor, self-love, forgiveness, just taking the time to have a clear and tranquil mind. Uh, can be a great piece of the equation. But the thing that we should really do is not avoid, uh, not um, uh, uh, dismiss any particular thing that will help us, as long as it's not harming us or harming anyone else, that will help us move toward our goal. That's the main
0: thing. So we, we attend to we pay attention to the energy the inspiration that is arising, and yeah. um, and then we begin to explore you know what's what's needed as the as the means what can we do um, inwardly. And uh, perhaps outwardly in some practical ways um, to bring this about. And when we come back from the break, we're going to th- talk about the third factor in the equation, which is, you know, often the wall that people hit, right? And so uh, Rod's going to talk to us about how we walk through that wall. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien, and you're listening to the Yoga Hour with guest Rod Stryker. His website, rodstryker.com or parayoga.com. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us at yogahour@unity.fm, at And we'll be right back back with you.
4: Who have you come here to be? It's a question we all ponder from time to time. Reverend Kelly Isola, host of Spiraling Consciousness and her co-authors have crafted a guidebook that will take you on a profound journey. If you long for love, peace, and joy, or yearn for commitment, passion, calm, or clarity, this book teaches you that you already have all of these within you. Whatever you long to experience outside of you is an aspect of you wanting to be birthed. Who have you come here to be? 101 Possibilities for Contemplation is part daily reader, part spiritual practicum. Drenched in gorgeous imagery, each powerful page invites readers to dance, to leap, to sit still, to stand tall as they ponder the question, who have I come here to be? Join the journey of self-discovery. Come explore the world within, an infinite field of possibilities to discover who have you come here to be. To order your copy of Who Have I Come Here to Be? 101 Possibilities for Contemplation, go to to www.whohaveyoucomeheretobe.com. That's www.whohaveyoucomeheretobe.com.
3: four horsemen of the apocalypse armageddon the lake of fire and then the choir of angels singing as jesus emerges from the clouds ah the book of revelation are we really destined to the gloom and doom presented in the final book of the bible or is it possible that within revelation lies a spiritual guide to the human experience Listen to this special series as Rev. Ed Townley, the author of Kingdom Come, and Rev. Ellen Debenport, author of The Five Principles, contemplate the truth about the Book of Revelation. These colleagues and longtime friends discuss the convoluted symbolism of revelation because Rev. Ed insists in his new book about revelation that it's actually filled with positive reinforcement and helpful guidance. The Book of Revelation, an apocalyptic end-of-the-world prophecy or a personal practical guide to spiritual growth listen in to find out this series begins tuesday april 16th at 6 p.m central time kingdom come a journey through the book of revelation only on unity online radio the voice of an awakening world
1: Listening to the Yoga Hour, living the eternal way with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. If you have a question, please submit it via email at yogahour@unity.fm, at and we will respond. Now back to the Yoga Hour.
0: Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. Our special guest today is Rod Stryker. His website is rodstryker.com or parayoga.com. And we're going to conclude, um, continuing our conversation this morning about really manifestation, you know, how we live our yoga in such a way that we are living consciously being aware of the divine inspiration that is arising with us and then knowing how to skillfully um, bring that inspiration into realization and um, we've talked a little bit so far about being in touch with shakti the divine potential the energy the soul power within us and then um discerning you know what the means are you know how are we going to move this from desire to fulfillment and and then the last factor uh, we're going to look at is is resistance itself so but Rod, you may want to say a little bit more about um this uh what's needed to bring something into manifestation and then on to resistance so you know it's
2: funny you're reading my mind because I, there's really only one I left out and, 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 and uh, I made a mental note to actually address it and that is the term you know it's, it's really all in the term Sangha and it's something I'm sure your community knows very very well and it's this idea of interfacing of really coming heart to heart, face to face, mind to mind with higher truth and most importantly in company you know Satsangha it's this idea of like-minded individuals who naturally bring out the best in us. And it's interesting because invariably Sangha is on this very short list of how we ultimately will reach the goal in this path, in the spiritual path. And as I study it and as I see it, the, the scriptures say this one above all else is vital because if, unless we we're reminded of it, unless we have a living example in front of us of what it looks like, it's too easy to get lost in our own self-limited uh, uh, awareness. We need, that, we need that beacon. And so the last one I'll just mention is that constantly be around the voice of the, of the teacher, of the master, of mm-hmm. the, the teachings in a living form. Mm-hmm. And that is vital, even if it comes to a very practical, everyday desire uh, like wanting to, you know, get three square meals a day and not skip any meals. In the simplest, in, even in the simple desires are empowered by, sung, uh, by satsang.
0: Uh,
2: in fact, what we're doing right now, hopefully that in fact is, in, is empowering some people to move forward toward their dreams, their desires.
0: Exactly. So staying in touch with the teachings. All along the way. And, you know, however we do that, whether it's, you know, through study, um, being in spiritual community, um, ideally having a relationship with a guru that will guide us and and support us along the way. so, you know, you start off with your creation equation with looking at this divine potential, the inspiration that comes from it, and then discerning the means of, you know, how, what is going to support bringing that forward. Now, um, sometimes we look and we feel like, okay, I've got that, I've taken these steps, and now where is it? You know why is why have why don't I see it? Um, you know, I I went to yoga class. I have mass. a guru,
4: and I still have obstacles.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yes. So, and I and I did the mantra too. So, what yes. happened?
2: <laughs> well, uh, let we are really speaking to this to this very critical piece, and that is very relevant in the context, not just of my book and trying to have more of what you want, but in the yoga tradition itself. It's a it's a it Extremely vital concept and that appears again and again and again let me first answer address the question of why so often i'm asked that question of after after trying my best to give the portrayal of the of who we are and our nature from the view of the yoga tradition people invariably ask well if i'm perfect why is there a struggle why am i not fully perfect and you know Uh, there's many, many possible answers to that, but the one that's always stuck to me that I heard my teacher speak to, which is the idea that the divine cares for us so much that it creates obstacles so we will not stagnate. We won't stay in the same place. It's really the divine's love for us that is asking us, compelling us to grow, and thereby, uh, and really puts these kind of self-constraints and self-limiting ideas into our consciousness, you know, it's, it's like the highest aspect of maya itself, is, is the divine's mercy for us, asking for us, giving us an opportunity to grow beyond them. So if we put that in the context, then it really asks us to go forward in the adventure of looking at what's stopping us. Now, we can blame the world. We can blame the economy the wrong political party is in charge, stagnation of various kinds outside of us. But one thing of note is that when the yoga tradition isolates the obstacles to yoga, when those are listed, explicitly listed in the um, first chapter of the Yoga Sutras, they're all internal. They all have to do with us, not the world. Mm -hmm. Our obstacles to the journey are not about the world. They're about us. Mm -hmm. In the book, I provide a very explicit process for how we begin to isolate, once again, Viveka, how we discern those obstacles inside of us that are standing in the way of those dreams. And when you, in, 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 oh, those worthwhile and, and uh, um, uh, uplifting desires, they are, and, and here's what I would say. You and I have been raised in a, in a psychological culture, really, even if you've never studied psychology, it's so infiltrated our culture that everyone more or less has language like I have low self-esteem. I'm the child of an alcoholic. I and you fill in the blank. My parents divorced when I was young, so I have separation issues. We have at our disposal and I think in our consciousness identified with labels. Now here's where the yoga tradition takes a right turn away from labels. We don't live labels we live desire and what I would tell everyone and 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 this is really I think the pivot of not only my book but of a fulfilled life itself the pivot is that we don't live out self-esteem moment-to-moment we are pursuing a desire that uh, that is actually the uh, self-limiting and constraining piece so let me give you a quick example If someone has low self-esteem, they can actually spend the rest of their life uh, not growing after high school. They stay in the same place, in the same job. They don't seek out spirituality. They don't seek out friends. They don't elevate themselves. They don't grow. They don't learn. Another person with low self-esteem could actually become one of the most famous directors in the world. And I'm talking about movie directors. I happen to know one who has terrible low self-esteem and yet is a, you know, has hundreds of millions of dollars. We don't act out from low self-esteem. We act out from a desire. Now, his desire might be rising out of low self-esteem. The other's desire to stay on the couch and not grow is also rising out of low self-esteem, but they're acting from desire. And so what we need to do is put in really isolate, in in profound relief, see it, rack focus on it, and decide clearly what is the desire that is compelling us mm-hmm. not to honor the, in, these uplifting and inspiring and heart uh heart like heart-source desires what is mm-hmm. the desire that's keeping us from acting on our heart's desires and, and then it's your- Go
0: ahead. Uh, I was going to say that's just such a beautiful way to describe it, and we're going to have to just conclude here in a moment. So, uh, you know, I want to say, you know, um, see if I can just summarize a little bit what you've described, that basically in your formula, you know, which is just common sense, but you've put it into such beautiful spiritual context that, you know, our, our deepest desire... And the energy of our means must be stronger than our resistance. And so, you know, in order to fulfill, and that's a very simple uh, law, really, of of looking at that. But um, for us to really investigate it, you know, like how strong is our um, deep desire, you know, and what is the deep desire? Uh, That you've just described. Powerful, powerful teaching on how to manifest. It's been a joy to share this yoga hour with you. Rod, thanks so much for coming back. And again, to find out more about Rod and his work, go to parayoga.com. And if you're near CSE, we have Rod's books available at the Tree of Life Welcome Center. And check the archives. We have two other programs here at Unity, uh, online radio with Rod in September uh, of 2011 and January of 2012. And I look forward to being with you next week when we're joined by Swami Atma Vijananda Giddy for a program on Three Timeless Practices for the Highest Happiness. Uh, Check the CSE website, csecenter.org, for information about our upcoming silent retreat. Until next week, let your inner light shine into the world. And remember to share your peace and your joy with all you meet. Bye, everyone. Bye, Rod. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ellen.
1: Thank you for tuning in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Rev. Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 Central, 8 a.m. Pacific for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization www.csecenter.org Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org
4: Does the idea of being a vegetarian or a vegan intrigue you? Is it something you've pondered? Listen each week as Victoria Moran, author of Main Street Vegan, shows you how to make the shift to a sustainable lifestyle for both you and the planet. Each week you'll learn about the latest on the vegan life. It's not just for celebrities and moguls, but for people just like you, who want to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth.